Well, good morning. I'm so glad you guys are here. I almost forgot I was starting the service today, so I came running in here. So, uh, But what a beautiful day it is to worship the Lord, and I'm so thankful that not only we have an opportunity to gather together here on campus, here in our sanctuary, but also those joining with us online. Today is a special day as we uh, celebrate the Lord's Supper, uh, just uh, remembering how amazing our God is and reflecting on his goodness uh, towards his people. So the scripture says in Ephesians 3, uh, verses uh, 14 through 21, it says, For this reason I, again speaking of Paul, bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named, that according to the riches of his glory he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you being rooted and grounded in love may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth, and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Now to him who was able to do far more abundantly than all we ask or think, according to the power at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen. Did you notice Paul's posture? Uh, he's kneeling before the Father. And now this is important because in, in most cases, prayer uh, is a, a place where people, the posture is standing and a lifting of hands. But in those desperate moments, there's a kneeling. And that's what Paul is doing. Paul is kneeling before the Father and he's praying. It's a humble prayer. It's a submissive prayer. Uh, and I want to remind us that it, regardless if you choose to stand or to come to the altar and pray, it's really about the heart. What is your heart towards the Lord? Is there humility? Is there submission uh, to the Lord. Uh, and the reason why we can come to the Lord hum with humility and with submission towards him and, and with confidence is because of the fact that we have full access to the Father because of Jesus Christ. Ephesians 3.12, right before the passage that I just read, the scripture says, in whom we have boldness and access with confidence through what? Through our faith in him. So we come humbly today. We come submissively today. But we also come boldly because of what Jesus Christ has done on our behalf. And because those things are true, and because we're going to celebrate those things today, we will worship him. The scripture says in Psalm 95, verse 6, 7, O come, let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord our maker, for he is our God, and we are the people of his pasture and the sheep of his hand. Amen. As we continue to prepare our hearts to celebrate the Lord's Supper together. One of the first things that Paul does in our passage this morning on behalf of uh, the church then and the church today is that, that God would strengthen us through his spirit. Don't we need strength today? Listen to the word of the Lord again in verses 16 and 17. It says that according to the riches of his glory, speaking about the Lord, he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his spirit in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. So this amazing prayer to be strengthened is based on what? The fact that, that God is what? That he is rich in glory. So we are going to the Lord who has deep, deep pockets, if you will. Those resources never give out. And the fact that we are going to him, that he would grant to us, that is, that he would 
give to us that strength. And notice where that strength is needed. Paul says that he would strengthen us with power through his spirit in your inner being. At the very depths of your heart and your soul. The places that you know you're weak and grieving and hurting. The very places that you have prayed time and time again for the Lord to change the circumstance, to change the situation, to change the emotion of how you feel and how you think, and for whatever reason, it doesn't seem to adjust. And the Lord says, through this prayer given to Paul, that, that we can pray according to the riches of his glory, that he would give us strength in those very places, those inner places of our heart and soul, reminding us that the Holy Spirit of God is our advocate. He is our counselor. To be in a place where you're so hurting and grieving and struggling, to know that the Spirit of God himself prays and intercedes on your behalf. Remember what Paul says in Romans chapter 8. He says, likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness, for we do not know what to pray for as we ought, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. And he who searches hearts knows what is the mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. And think about it. You ever been in a time of prayer before the Lord and you don't even know what, the, what word you are to say? And it's there that we're reminded that the Spirit of God does. The Spirit of God intercedes on our behalf. And how does he do it? He does it according to the will of God. The very prayers that he prays for you and for me in those places where we don't know what to say are according to the will of God to keep us on the path that God has put before us to give us peace and to give us strength, to remind us of the amazing grace of God. Isn't that what we need in the midst of our weakness? We need to be reminded of the grace of God. Paul knew this far well. 2 Corinthians 12, Scripture says three times, this is Paul speaking, he said, three times I pleaded with the Lord about this, that it should leave me. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly of my weaknesses so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. For the sake of Christ, then, I am content with weakness, insults, hardships, persecutions, and calamities. For when I am weak, then I am strong. You know, Paul did exactly what he was told to do. He pleaded to the Lord, right? He pleaded to the Lord to remove this thorn in the flesh, we don't know exactly what it was, and praise be to God, we don't, because we would limit it to just that. But the reality is that in the midst of that, that plead three times, and God not removing that thorn in the flesh based on his sovereignty, he gives them what he needs. He gives them sufficient grace for the journey. But Paul did something that's important for us to be reminded of. We have to acknowledge our weakness, do we not? How often does pride get in the way of getting the strength that we need based on the grace of God because of our very own pride? So Paul was able to admit his weakness. And the reality is we all have a thorn in the flesh, don't, do we not? 
For some, we may think we got many of them, right? But do we believe that God's grace is sufficient? You see, it's the thorn in the flesh that reminds us that we are to anchor our lives and cling to the promises of God, that God is good, that he is trustworthy, and that he will give us the provision of grace time and time again. Remember what David said in Psalm 73. He says, whom have I in heaven but you? And there is, not, there is nothing on earth that I desire besides you. My flesh and my heart may fail, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. The psalmist says, I go to the one who I can trust. And Psalm 73 is an amazing reminder that, that no matter how close we are to God, right, there's still a struggle. That no matter what uh, our role is, and in this case, it wasn't David, it was Asaph actually who wrote this. Uh, he's the chief worship leader of the day, and he is struggling. Before the people, he looks like he's one with God. That he has this amazing relationship with God. And, and that's important because we can have a relationship with God that is amazing but still have a struggle, right? And so he goes before the Lord and he says, who am I in heaven but you? And there is nothing on earth that I desire besides you, for my flesh and my heart may fail, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. Do you need strength this morning? Strength in the inner being. The places that are weak, the places that you're grieving. Will you humbly go, go before the Lord today? I'm going to pray for us. Lord, as we come before you at this time, Lord, needing a strength, your strength through your spirit in our inner being. We come to you reminding that the strength that we need is Christ's strength in us. Lord, remind us and show us of the strength that is available to us in Christ. Lord, to know that even when we don't have the answers and we don't, and when we have a lot of questions, and we have hurts and struggles and needs. Lord, our greatest need is the presence of God in our life to give us the strength and the comfort. Lord, we are trusting and leaning on you. We trust that you truly are the only one who can satisfy us. But Lord, in the midst of that statement, we acknowledge that we are trying to have other things be the strength that we need. And Lord, no matter how good we are, no matter how healthy we are as followers of Christ, nothing satisfies us like you. And so Lord, as we come to you during this time, Lord, let us be honest and open on those very specific places that we need the strength of the Holy Spirit to work and to be in our inner being. To God be the glory. In Jesus' name I pray. Because Jesus lives, we have sufficient strength for today, and we have sufficient strength for tomorrow. Paul continues his prayer, and it's where we're going to go next, that God would ground us in his love, that God would ground us in his love. So not just strengthen us in our inner being through his spirit, but to ground us in the love of God. He continues his prayer in verse 17, the second part, all the way through verse 19. He says that you, again, he's talking to the church, and the you here is always plural. So he's talking to the church collectively, right? Not just us individually, but to the church collectively. He says that you being rooted and grounded in love may have strength to comprehend with all the saints 
what is the breadth and length and height and depth, and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. I mean, think about these verses. These verses have to resonate with our soul, right? To be reminded that because we are in Christ, there is absolutely not one thing that is up for debate when it comes to God's love for you, right? Not one thing. You look to the cross where Jesus died. What other evidence do we need that God has a unshakable love for us? And Paul says that you would look at that love and that you would comprehend it. So that's more of a intellectual thing, that you read the truths of, God, of God's word and you begin to uh, formulate those things in your mind, but it's not just there, and that's where we have to be careful. It's not about your knowledge of comprehension alone. He says that we would not only comprehend it, but we would know it. The word know there is talking about a relationship. Right? To know means that not only do I understand more and more about God's love for me, but it's even better than that. I experience it. And praise be to God that we can experience God's love towards us. To know that we are forever secured in God's love for us. Why? Because of the finished work of Jesus Christ. At the very beginning of this letter, Paul says in Ephesians 1, uh, beginning in verse 3, he says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us, how? In Christ, with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. Meaning that there's, there's some positional things about you and I today that will never change, right? Praise be to God for that. And what does he say? He says that, that we are chosen. God has so set his affections on you and I today through the finished work of Christ that we are chosen. That's what he says in verse 4. He says, even as he chose us in him, and when did he do this? Before the foundations of the world. And why did he do this? That we should be holy and blameless before him. So God has set apart a people for himself to reflect him in this world, right? To be set apart for his glory and for his purposes. And how did he do it? He did it in love. Before creation began, God set his affections on you and me today. Praise be to God for that. It's unbelievable, is it not? How could this be so? I mean, if we really boil it down, we have nothing to offer him, right? And that's where our struggle is. We think about what we are to bring to him instead of first reminding ourselves that God has done and brought everything to us, right? We are greatly loved. Not only that, it gets deeper, talks about in verse 4 and 5, he says, In love he predestined us for what? For adoption to himself as sons through Jesus Christ according to the purpose of his will. We are adopted into his family. Everyone that, that not only professes Christ as their Savior, but possesses Christ as their Savior. In other words, you can profess what you do not possess, right? You see that in Matthew chapter 7. But those who possess Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior, have been adopted into his family. The scripture says that it's been predestined, meaning that that was God's plan all along, that he was going to have a family for himself. And every person who has received Jesus Christ by grace through faith is a part of that family, and it's according to the purpose of his will. In other words, God delights in you. I mean, do you believe that today? Because of Jesus Christ, God delights in you in you and our response to that is to be worship 
That's what he says in verse 6. He says, to the praise of his glorious grace with which he has blessed us in the beloved. God has so loved, accepted, and favored us by his grace. And our response to that is to worship him. Are you rooted and grounded in his love for you today? I mean, that's where we struggle, right? We forget that God has this un incredible love for us unconditional love for us why because every other love that we experience in this world has conditions to it right but God has this unconditional love for you because of the work of Christ I love what John says in uh, his letter in first John ver uh, chapter 3 verses 1 and 2 again a lot of what John is writing in this epistle this first uh, letter is, is about the assurance the security that we have because of the Lord and he says, see what kind of love the Father has given to us. I love that phrase, uh, what kind of love. It's a phrase that communicates what, what land did this love come from? God's love is so great. It's so foreign to us. Where did it come from? Why? Because we don't experience the type, that type of love from anybody else. The purity of that love. The sacrifice of that love. The persistence of that love, no matter how great our relationships are on this earth with one another, and praise be to God that it can be great, nothing compares to the love that God has for you and I. So great that the scripture says that we should be called children of God, and so we are. Now, why is it important to be rooted and grounded in that kind of love? What does he say in verse 2? He says, uh, that we should be called children of God, and so we are. The reason why the world does not know us is that it did not know him. Beloved, we are God's children now, and what we will be has not yet appeared, but we know that when he appears, we shall be like him because we shall see him as he is. What does he say? He says, in this world, you're going to be rejected, right? They're not going to, the people of the world aren't going to accept you. Just like they rejected Jesus, they will not accept you, Right? And the reality is that it's in those moments of rejection. It's in those moments where we are reminded that this is not our final place, right? We're just passing through, if you will. That there's a struggle of identity. There's a struggle of, quote, unquote, fitting in. And the scripture is reminding us that we need to stay grounded in the love of God. That is where our true identity is at. And we need to be reminded that no matter what the struggles are, God in his grace will finish what he started, right? He will finish what he started. It's his work, not ours. Reminded what Paul said in Galatians 2, verses 19 and 20. He says, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God, who did what? Who loved me and gave himself for me. This idea that I have been crucified with Christ. The word crucified there is a verb, but it's in the passive tense, meaning that God has done something on your behalf. God has done something on my behalf. He has given us new life. What great love is that? that he has given us new life. A love so great that it has no limits. Paul says again, breadth, length, height, and depth. Nothing will ever, ever, ever separate you from the love of God because of what Christ has done in your life. Paul speaks of this in Romans 8, beginning in verse 35. He says, who shall separate us from the love of Christ? In other words, who will create space between us and him he says what shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword again there's no problem that will separate us from God's love there's no persecution that can separate us from God's love he continues on in verse 37 
He says, no, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am sure that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. So no power can separate us from his love. And no person can separated, separate us from his love. All of this is because of what Christ has done. Now think about this. How many times do we doubt or question God's love for us? Typically, it's because we're not living rightly, and maybe that's just the Holy Spirit's conviction in your life. Uh, maybe it's because of the words that somebody else is saying about you. Maybe, maybe no matter how hard you try, you don't seem to get ahead in this life. Whatever those, those expectations are, and those are the things that weigh us down, right? But it's in those moments that God's word is teaching us, stay grounded in the love of God. You are infinitely loved by your creator, right? He is the final sacrifice that you and I need. You are greatly loved. And so I'm going to lead us in a time of prayer this morning. Where do you need to be grounded and rooted in God's love for you today? Where are the voices of this world? Where are the voices inside you that are pulling you away from God's love for you? Causing doubt and confusion. Be reminded that God richly loves you in Christ. Lord, as we continue our time of worship, as we continue to prepare our hearts to celebrate the Lord's Supper together as, as your family, your children, uh, Lord, we do so asking that you would uh, ground us day in, day out in the amazing love that you have for us. Lord, to be reminded that you, you don't love us because we're worthy or because we've earned it or we deserve it. Lord, you love us because that is who you are and that is what you've done. Lord, I pray that we would rest in your love for us today. Lord, to know that there are so many things in this life that will try to separate us, to try to remove us from that love, but we are reminded through your word that that will never, ever happen. You will never abandon us. You will never forsake us. And so, yes, the love of God is foreign to us. The love of God is like no other love. But, Lord, because it is unique and one of a kind, let us embrace it wholly and fully. And so, Lord, where we are struggling with receiving that love and living in that love today, Lord, through your spirit and through your word and through humble honesty before you, Lord, would you remind us to stay grounded in the love that you have for us. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Paul continues his prayer, and it's where we're gonna continue as well. God, remind us that you are able. God, remind us that you are able. So not just to strengthen us through his spirit, not just to ground us in his love, but to remind us that he is able. Verses 20 and 21, Paul ends his prayer with these words. Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all that we could ask or think, according to the power at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen. Do you know God is able today? Do you know that God is able to do the impossible? To those who need comfort today, God is able to give you comfort. Paul writes in 2 Corinthians 1, 3 and 4, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our affliction, 
so that we may be able to comfort those who are in any affliction with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. You hear the beauty here? That in the midst of the valleys of life, and we will experience those, and some are experiencing those right now, that the Father of mercies, the God of all comfort, will not only comfort you in your affliction, but he will so comfort you in your affliction that you will also be able to comfort those who are in affliction as well. Why? Because God is able. Maybe you're in a place today where you're experiencing just tremendous chaos in your life and pieces are shattered. Maybe your ideal of parenthood has not been what you thought it would be or uh, maybe your work environment or that relationship that you were holding on to or whatever it is, your timeline. And all those things just to seem to be upside down. Do you trust that God is able to hold all those things together? The scripture says in Colossians 1 verse 17, And he is before all things, speaking about Jesus specifically, and in him, in Jesus, all things hold together. Because God is able, we can choose today to rest in him, to cling to him, to be satisfied in him. Why? Because he is able. Maybe there's a temptation that you're experiencing today. You know, temptation in and of itself is not a sin. We know that because Jesus himself was tempted, yet without sin. It's what you do with that temptation. Maybe you find yourself today experiencing the same temptations that you faced years ago, and they just seem to get deeper and deeper and deeper. And you're at the place where you're just like, I can't, I can't stop. I give in to those temptations every day. Listen, if you're relying on your own strength, guess what? You will and I will but we have a God who is able to see us through that temptation. The Apostle Paul writes in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 13, that no temptation has overtaken you that is not common to man. In other words, you're not the only one experiencing temptations today. God is faithful, and he will not let you be tempted beyond your ability. And the key there is beyond the ability that God gives you, right? But with the temptation, he will also provide a way of escape that you may be able to endure it doesn't necessarily mean that he's going to remove the temptation but what it does mean is that in the midst of that temptation he's going to give you the grace needed to endure it to not give yourself to that temptation and commit the sin that's the amazing grace that our lord gives us it's the grace that was given to jesus we see it in jesus's life that he was tempted over and over and over again so that he can sympathize and empathize with our weakness, but yet he did not sin. Praise be to God for that. So where are you tempted today? Where is your struggle, your addiction, the idol that you go to time and time again? Do you believe that God is able to remove that? Our response to that is faith. We're trusting in him. Maybe today your, your place of struggle is that of fear. Are you overcome with fear today? Whatever it is. Know that in Christ we have nothing to fear. The scripture says in Isaiah 41 verse 10, Fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you, I will help you, I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. There's two commands in this passage. One, do not be afraid and do not lose courage. But the commands are given with a promise first. How is it that we cannot be overcome with fear? And how is it that we cannot lose courage in this life? It's anchored in who? It's anchored in him. Fear not. Why? Because God is with me. Fear not. Why? Because God is my God. He will strengthen me. He will help me. He will uphold me. Where are you afraid this morning? 
Do you believe in the midst of that fear that God is able to know that he has not left you to yourself, but he is right there in the midst of it? Maybe this morning you're experiencing a place of inadequacy. Yes, God has called me to this, but man, I feel so inadequate. You're in a great place because in those inadequacies, you find the grace needed. You find the grace needed to know that God will supply everything that you need for the journey. Philippians 4, 19 and 20, the scripture says, And my God will supply every need of yours according to the riches and glory in Christ Jesus to our God and Father be glory forever and ever. Amen. Everything that you need has been promised by God to be given to you in Christ. Do you trust God's care for you this morning? Do you trust God is able to overcome the fear, the temptation, the place that you need the greatest comfort today? Whatever that inaccuracy is, that he is able to give exactly what you need at the very right time. Is he your strength today? Is that where you go to for your greatest love? To know that he is able. I close with this. David writes in Psalm 59 verse 17. Oh, my strength, I will sing praises to you for you, oh God are my fortress, the God who shows me steadfast love. He is the one that shows steadfast love, and he is the one that is able today. Where do you need to be reminded that God is able? What is that specific place in your life right now? Would you be willing to honestly bring that to the Lord today? Lord, we come to you at this time. Uh, Lord, and we do, we do pray with great expectation. Lord, we pray that because we are reminded that you are the God who is able. Throughout all scripture, throughout the Old Testament and the New Testament, we see a God who is able. Lord, let us be reminded of that truth. To know that you can do beyond all that we can comprehend, all that we could hope for, according to your will and your purpose. And so, Lord, where our struggle is today, Lord, would you graciously meet us there? Lord, would you remind us through your word, through your spirit, through your presence today that you are able? And, Lord, let us rely on your ability, not ours, your strength, not ours, your love, not ours. For you are good, and you are glorious, you are worthy to be praised, and you are able. Lord, thank you. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Praise be to God. Aren't you glad we worship the God who is able? Now we're at the time where we're going to celebrate the Lord's Supper together. Remind ourselves of what we've done. We have gone before the Lord in prayer and and humbly and submissively asked that the Lord would strengthen us through his spirit, that he would show us the importance of being grounded in his love, And that we would be reminded that God is able. And so this morning we get to celebrate the one who is able by joining together and partaking of the Lord's Supper. The scripture reference that we'll look at this morning is when Paul writes to the church in Corinth. He says in chapter 11 verses 23 and 28. He says, for I received from the Lord what I also delivered to you. That the Lord Jesus on the night when he was betrayed took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. 
And the same way also he took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Whoever therefore eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty concerning the body and blood of the Lord. Let a person examine himself then and so eat of the bread and drink of the cup. And then he says this in verse 33. So then, my brothers, when you come together to eat, wait for one another. Aren't you thankful that we get to celebrate the Lord's Supper together as the family of God? To worship him, to acknowledge him, to reflect on him and his truth and his goodness. And the same practice that was given by Jesus 2,000 years ago is the same practice that we get to participate in today. To God be the glory. So let us be reminded of the importance of the bread. If you will, go ahead and pull back that first tab and access the bread there. The bread represents Jesus' death for his people. The very fact that Jesus chose to come into this world, a world impacted by sin and disease and shame and guilt and rebellion and all those things, Jesus came to give us his life. He took on all our sin, iniquity, rebellion, and grief and shame for his glory and our good. Again, Jesus on the night when he was betrayed took bread and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, this is my body which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. So at this time, let us take the bread. The cup represents the new covenant of God's amazing grace through the shed blood of Jesus Christ. To know that it is finished, there's nothing, absolutely nothing that we can add to it and there's nothing, absolutely nothing that we should take away from it, right? God's grace in the shed blood of Jesus, the new covenant. Scripture says in the same way also he took the cup after supper saying this cup is the new covenant of my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. So at this time, let us take the cup. Amen. Amen. Praise be to God. Thank you again for joining with us today as we celebrated the Lord's Supper together. I pray that it has been encouragement to you, that it has been reminded uh, that you've been greatly reminded of the amazing strength that is given to us in Christ, the amazing love that is secured for us in Christ, and to be reminded every day that God is able. And so we.